When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Oh boy, I don't know if y'all are ready for this podcast today. Sharp Tongue Podcast coming to you live and proud and loud. Today we talk about death, revenge, and the Japanese culture with comedian Yoshi Abayashi. Yo, we talk about death, y'all. We talk about killing motherfuckers. Buckle in. Hootie hoo! This week's episode is brought to you by Care.com. It is the easy and reliable way to find care for everyone in the family when and where you need it. With access to one point, oh wait, sorry, access to 8.1 million, 8. 1 million <laughs> caregivers across 16 countries. Care.com is the world's largest digital marketplace for care. So you're for sure to be able to find quality local caregivers you need, including sitters and nannies, backup care, housekeepers, and more. What is backup care? Like how to back it up? I bet you could find someone to help you back it up on care.com. Care.com can even help with household payroll and nanny taxes. Ooh, I could use help with that. Maybe somebody can handle my taxes. Getting started is easy. Just sign up for free as a basic member. You aren't a, anything but basic, by the way. Sign up for free as a basic member to post a job and view in-depth caregiver profiles that include work experience, certifications, certifications. I said that's so funny. <laughs> certifications, special skills, and access to backgrounds. Plus, get newsletters, read articles, and get tips from parents and caregivers on all things care related. You guys got to check this out. If you need somebody to do something for you, care.com seems like the main place to do it. Um, it's really easy. I'm going to have somebody help me with my taxes because I am not a mathematician. I cannot handle it. Um, you guys, I, we have a special offer for you at care.com forward slash sharp, S-H-A-R-P. You can save 30% off a care.com premium membership and receive a $15 credit that you can use towards paying your caregiver when you use care.com's convenient payment platform. You go to care.com forward slash sharp when you subscribe. That is care.com slash S-H-A-R-P. So check it out, y'all. Get some care in your life. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Konnichiwa. You guys probably never even heard of that song. Um, I didn't even hear of that song before. I just wanted to go with the theme of what was happening in, in today's episode and who I interview. And who I interview happens to be a person of the Japanese persuasion. So what? Ballin'. 
Got my theme all up in your face. Happy Sharp Tongue Tuesday. Trying to keep it on track, motherfuckers. Um, if my voice sounds a little different, it's because I lost half of it. I just got back from the Montreal, um, from the J- Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, Montreal. Oh, bonjour, comment ça va? Je m'appelle Jessie May. Uh, sucre bleu. <laughs> I had so much fucking fun in this city. Montreal in the summertime is unlike any other place I've ever been to. It was just, first of all, it was amazing to be in the festival because I've worked very hard, very long in this career and you get these little milestones. Well, the Montreal milestone is not little. JFL is a, is a rather large festival. I think one of the largest comedy festivals in the world and to be accepted into it is an honor. So thank you everybody at the Just for Laughs Festival for having me be a part of your amazing, amazing um, organization, really. just It's like comedy camp. Just a bunch of misfit comedians and we fit together. That's what I realized. Being there and seeing so many familiar faces, meeting new ones, you know. I was hanging out with my friend Thomas Dale and my boy Dom Irera, um, my my boyfriend came with me and was just amazing with me, and we had so much fucking fun. Um, I got to hang out with so many damn comedians. I can't even think of them all. Big Jay Okerson and Josh Adamires and and oh, who else? Fucking Avery Pearson, my boy Avery. I went to go watch them do the goddamn comedy jam. It was just so much fun. I had so much fun and I got so high. Man, did I get high. I got, I got high beyond high. Um, I, I felt like I was dying. That's how high I got. And that sounds terrible, but it was good. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't as bad as it sounds. Um, I got to meet new comedians, Jimmy Carr, and I got to reestablish connections with comedians who we didn't even know we knew each other, but we know each other through comedians. And, you know, it was just dope to see the roast battle. Um, Congrats to Jeffrey Ross and everybody at the roast battle for being picked up on Comedy Central. I got to see that be taped and uh, Whoopi Goldberg was there and, you know, Jeselnik, Anthony Jeselnik and my friend Mike Lawrence. And the list goes on. It just, it was so it felt so right and it felt so amazing. It was like a magical weekend. It was literally, it literally has changed my perspective. It validated some of my uh, feelings about myself and about my comedy and about comedy in general. And it, 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 it changed my life. I, it's safe to say this weekend changed my life in more ways than I can even account for at this, at this moment. But in retrospect, one day I will look back and know that this past weekend was one of the most influential weekends that I have experienced in a long time. It just really reaffirmed a lot for me and introduced me to a lot of new feelings and emotions and people. So man, I sound like I just came back from a Tony Robbins, get your life right seminar (laughs) in my voice is almost gone because I was screaming all weekend. Um, 
I walked about an average of 15 miles a day around that city and I feel great. I feel like a new person. I just, uh, you know, my farts smell. My farts have never smelled. They just started smelling today. So I don't know if that changed. You know what? I will take smelly farts if that's, the, if that's you know, the result of my life changing. Because up until this morning, my farts really never smelled. No matter what my boyfriend has tried to convince people otherwise, they really haven't smelled. I really have never really had smelly farts. This morning I woke up and my farts smelled and I was like, you know what? Uh, I, I've turned, I've turned the page. It's time for a new day for Jesse May, and if that comes along with with farts that that are, are aromatic, so be it. So motherfucking be it. I'm embracing it. Um, I try to get some podcasts done while I was there, but everyone is so busy that unless you have a schedule, it's very hard to do that spontaneously. I met, I, I saw one of my oldest comedian friends, Yamanika Saunders. She was there. And we tried a podcast. It just was too hard. But her and I kind of started comedy in New York together or did comedy in New York together years ago. And it just was so good because Yamanika and Thomas Dale are two of my oldest comedy friends. Look them up, please. They are so fucking funny and so talented. Uh, we got to hang out and it just if it didn't it wasn't even like, isn't this we, we were like, isn't this amazing? But we also were like, we deserve this. And and it's okay to feel like you deserve something, you know? Um, so yeah, it just, you know, I, I, I cried a few times this past weekend. <laughs> um, I took some edibles from my boyfriend's backpack and fucking found the center of the universe. I mean, this weekend was magical. <laughs> I actually want to speak with a neuroscientist and maybe a neurosurgeon and anybody in the neurology um, genre of medicine about what I experienced being as high as I was because it was unreal. I, I would like to have a doctor explain the specific stuff. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> if I can get somebody to break down me feeling like I was the center of the universe and me feeling like I born, I was born and, and died in the same second, it'd be great. If someone can just sort of level that out for me so I can get a little bit of sleep. <laughs> but the edibles were baller, just delicious. Um, I, and I'm so pumped because I just got off the phone with one of my friends who books shows in Norway and I'm talking about doing some Norway, Scandinavian and European tour next year. So it's all good shit today, y'all. You know, I know there's a lot of craziness in the news every goddamn day, but you got to find your own bliss. You got to make your own fucking bliss. You know what I'm saying? You got to wake up, wash your butthole, brush your teeth, eat something delicious, and go out and do your damn day. You really just got to, you got to attack it. You you got to grab, grab life by the balls and the tits. Okay? We are all one. We are all the same. Um, I kept saying that when I was high over and over and over really fun stuff. <laughs> I have videos of me dancing when I was high. I'll make sure to put those up. Um, photos of me. I'm going to be posting photos of me from Amsterdam, uh, from Montreal all fucking week. I don't give a shit if you guys get sick of it, but I want to share it with you. Um, I should tell you where I'm going to be coming up August 18th, 19th and 20th. I'll be at Dr. Grin's comedy club in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Be sure to get your tickets 
Friday, August 26th, I will be at Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. Saturday, August 22nd, I will be in Annapolis, Maryland at the Rams Head on stage. September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, I will be at Comics Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. All of my tickets are available at jessiemay.com. I give away tickets to every show because I think you guys deserve it. Please just email me at sharptonguepodcast at gmail.com. Prove to me that you are a subscriber of this podcast. And try and get your friends to subscribe as well. And I will give you tickets to any show that is coming near you. Because I love you motherfuckers. Um, so many great podcasts coming up. I can't, I can't tell you guys how excited I am about the guests I have coming up just in general. But today today's podcast I got to set sit down with somebody who's a mutual friend of mine with Esther Koo and my boy Marty Caproni they Esther and Marty both have been pushing me to get this gentleman on my podcast because he's just interesting as a human in general and his story specifically is mind-blowing and he's told the story before but not on this podcast and not with the way Jesse Mae Peluso breaks it down so you must buckle in. If you are faint of heart, buckle in tighter. I'm not going to tell you it's not for you. You can handle it. Um, but I hope you enjoy this revealing, personal, hilarious, and racist conversation that I had with comedian Yoshi Abayashi. Domo Arigato. Right now you're probably thinking how she get in them jeans. Well, I'm gifted all natural and bursting the seeds. We're going? Are we live? Jesse Mae Peluso here. I uh, just had a shitload of coffee. I'm sitting here with a fella staring at me. You look like you want to kill me. No, no, no. Um, I'm just amazed that uh, you've had an hour show already, and I thought you probably need to take a break or something, you know? Breaks, I feel like, slow me down a little bit. Yeah. You know, because your brain gets rolling, and you're just like, whatever. You know, you got you to keep going. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you a nap? Do you nap? Uh, what, do I look sleepy? <laughs> no! You don't look sleepy. Um, I try to. I know you, the previous part, podcast you were talking about how technology could hurt people. Yeah. Or, you know, that's interesting because so many times you see kids sitting next to each other using their cell phone. They're not really talking to each other. Yeah. That, that's quite often. That happens a lot. But have you noticed that... Um, People really don't daydream anymore because they're constantly on the cell phone. And I think if you're, especially in creative profession, I think it's okay to let your mind kind of float around. You know, you're a comedian. You write jokes. If you write script, I think it's important to do that. But these days, every given second, you're supposed to check your cell phone, do something. But I think it's okay to take a break, you know. I never thought about that. Like, kids are, I daydreamed all the time. Yeah. As a kid, all the time. And I think you're right. Like in those moments where you let your brain sort of unhinge from your your physical self. Sure. That's where the creativity really lies. Tell everybody who the fuck you are. Oh, we're just kidding. Sorry. You and I, I feel like we're going to talk for two hours. We have we have a <laughs> mutual friend, Esther Koo. She said yeah. hello. And my hello, name's Yoshi Obayashi. But just everyone just call me Yoshi. You um, Yoshi's the man. And, well. <laughs> Marty <laughs> Caproni is spoke, oh, that's spoken right. highly of you too. He's one of my besties. He, um, he... I lost my job four years ago, and you know I was kind of drifting around the basically fifty states, kind of going around. And what was he, your job? I I, wor- <laughs> I worked at the porn company for nine years. <laughs> what? And um, what'd you do? I did 
I did their DVDs. A company called Evil Angel. It's probably the, one of the biggest one in the country. And I did their DVDs and I did some of their PR and stuff. But you know, I do stand up, and I think I worked on Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope's Man Show. But mm-hmm. wow, nine years ago, that was great. So whenever they need a gay person or transgender person, I will get them on the show. Yeah. Uh, um, Casting, I work also worked on Dave's old porn with uh, Dave Attell. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm a little intimidated because your previous guest has so much credential. I really have Do, no credential. Don't at all. be intimidated. Yeah, yeah. You do have life is you know credential enough, mm-hmm. and if anything, that's what gave him his credentials. Life, yeah. And, and you, I mean, working in the porn industry, sure, and especially being a comedian, like that's has I'm sure that influenced your your stand up. Yeah, I. Go get into it. You just sighed. It, it just seems like there's a lot of common uh, similarity between the two professions, you know. And I th- I do notice um, a lot of the comedians date porn stars. Like yeah, they do. And a lot of porn stars love to hang around around comedians because they both have very odd hours for jobs. Odd hours, dark pasts, dark past, tragedy. And, and uh, comedians are very honest with their uh, past, and uh, I think porn stars like that too. And they have and, to uh, perform. I'm sure porn stars. Have to, you know, like no matter what's happening mm-hmm. in our lives as comedians, you have to get out. You have to go and put on a face and perform. Right. I've been on the road where I've had family members pass away, friends pass away, dogs pass away. And I have to tuck that under my emotional rug and get out there and do my job. And that's the same as taking a load to the face. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah, it's. I, I, I think I think they like comedians because I think. There are a lot of them probably going through. I think they're trying to get over something, you know. And that's true. Every porn girl that I talk to just about this, they said they've never been molested, but it's just hard for me to believe that. Uh, like I have, my, they said they've never been molested. Have yeah, you, like for you'd say a majority of them say they haven't. When I when I ask them, you know, the, 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 I have tons of friends, and every one of them said they they haven't been molested, but. But they claim they know others who got molested, but it's never them, you know. They're asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> and um, So then what, have they explained why they got into porn? Or have you found a commonality, like, amongst porn stars as a, you know, a, a reason for them to get into that in the first place? I think... A, like, what do you think? Like, if you had to go with your gut, what, yeah. being in that industry, what do you think is one of the most common influencers for them to start to be a part of that i think attention is a big part i think yeah kind of like strippers strippers and comedians <laughs> and there's tendency to need to manufacture dramas you know yeah and i think a lot both of the professions are have a addiction problem i think but between comedians and porno and porno actors yeah i mean did you, i mean i think comedians and porns i think to uh they're addicted to drama i think that's and, interesting uh, and you said addicted. Well, yeah. Addicted to a bunch of drama. And Somebody should do a porno about some, it's called addicted, and it's just a girl addicted to dick. I'm sure there's a there probably out already there, been yeah. out there. Shit. But um, I've been out of it for four years, so. How did you lose your job? Oh, I, I kind of talked about this Irish Affairs podcast. It's, it's a pretty long story, but um, I've been having problems with them, you know. They, did, they used to do inappropriate things like, well, okay, first, they said I was a troublemaker. I didn't get along with the general manager. and um, But they would do things that I didn't approve with. Like one of the bosses would bring their kid 
What the fuck? Kids, their work. Yeah. You know, I think one of my supervisors, her daughters were six and eight. And you, you know, you want to take your daughter to your work weekday, whatever take that your thing you do. Daughter to work day. Yeah. But you don't bring your kids to a porn company, you know? <laughs> I don't have any parenting skill. I don't have a kid, but I would imagine that's probably not a place you want to take your kid. And I didn't feel comfortable working. When um, there was a kid around. Yeah. And would but, they just play with their Tonka trucks while the porno was happening? Like were were they on set? Were they not on the set, but um I remember one time my boss knocked on the door, you know, make sure uh we cover our monitors and things like that and posters and things like that. Wow. You know. But she came in and she asked my honest opinion how her daughter looks like in a uh, beauty pageant outfit. She brought her daughter in. Her daughter was in beauty pageants? Yeah, it's Ugh. weird because... Those are so fucking damaging. Well, that shit without porno connection is already weird, right? Yeah, that there's definitely some parallels going on there. Yeah, and you're always... You're only going to be a kid once, so why expose them to that kind of pressure, you know? Yeah, especially like it, there being something at stake because of the way you look mm-hmm. and you not being good enough because you don't match a standard. I think that's kind of damaging as a, as a young kid because it doesn't build that confidence. Yeah, and I think you're already teaching them that um, that's the most important thing they should be judged by. Right, your, your physical yeah. self instead of what you can contribute. So whenever I hear, you know, uh, when I hear, uh, when, when I'm with my friend's kids or something or my cousin's kids and uh, someone else said, oh, your daughter's beautiful. I make a point, well, that's very nice, but she's also good at math and piano and you kind of have to remind them that that's not the only thing you should be teaching yeah that's not her only accolade like that you know this society is is especially like within the pop culture aspect of society it's rooted in appearance and not only is it rooted in appearance that appearance is is a very small box of what is considered the standard yeah and so when you when you keep people in that box you create complexes and those complexes are real. They exist. You know, and, uh, talking with the, the sex expert, sure. Dr. Donahue, we were talking about that. You know, what, what that does to people and, and how that can change your perspective of yourself. And then that influences everybody that you deal with. Sure. I mean, uh, you and Esther Cool, you guys are both beautiful. And, but you're in, you're in a very tough business because you're constantly um, judged. And I, I used to, I still do feel bad for porn girls because not only are they judged by what they look like, but how they perform. Oh my God, set. how they, oh, yeah. come on. And I mean, it's pretty vicious. And I remember a couple of girls crying because, I mean, let's be honest, most of the porn fans are a mess. You know, we're slob. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And for them to be that judgmental about what the girls look like, you know, but it's uh, so ironic. It's yeah. like, how can you judge? the way a girl looks that is in an industry that's meant to provide you pleasure. Yeah. It's like biting the hand that feeds you. And, yeah. it, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this lately, you know, because as a woman and as a comedian, those two things, I've never looked at it as a limitation. Sure. I've always looked at it in the opposite, that there are fewer of myself, types of people like me, doing it. So I see it as an advantage. Sure. But recently, within the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about how I'm exploring new areas of my sexuality and wanting to be more open. And before I go on stage, there's always this thing of what am I going to wear? Yeah. Because I don't want to make women feel uncomfortable. I don't want to turn men on. I don't want to, I'm considering all of these things. Like, what am I going to wear? 
which none of the male comics ever have to deal with. You don't have to think about that. And in my mind, I want to wear whatever the fuck I want to wear. And lately I'm like, you know, I'm a woman. I feel I'm feeling sexier. I want to dress to match how I feel. Right. But there's this thing that stops me because I'm like, well, if I show any sort of skin, that's going to be a focal point. And I've been taught that that is a focal point. And because I think uh, I think that's a common thing to female comics have to deal with. If you're if, if you happen to be attractive, you might lose female audience right, right away. Like they don't even care that you're funny anymore. You know, they're afraid that their husband, boyfriend's paying attention to the wrong things. You know? Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's not fair. Because then I'm having to adjust the way I want to dress because of the potential offense I'm going to inflict on some other girl because of her insecurities. And in turn, it really should it should empower women to to see somebody up there who's comfortable enough to be a sexual being, but not exploiting it, just being comfortable in that. So that's something that I've just been thinking about. And it it just seems like the comedy has changed last ten years. Women are more um, not afraid to talk about sex because. Yeah, I, I think that has changed. I don't, I don't know what costs what, you know, because I, I noticed in the porn business, probably around like mid to late nineties, it got really mean, aggressive. It got so aggressive. Yeah, like jackhammering. Yeah, just pop, 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 pop. You don't have to put the girl's head in the toilet or step on her head to have sex. You, well, those are my two favorite things. <laughs> you just, those are my two searches. You don't have to do that, you know. And and I think in the previous podcast, I, I was I was really impressed by what the guy was saying. But um, if the parents are not talking to their kids about sex, they're going to get the information from elsewhere, and they're getting from porn. And porn's supposed to be about fantasy. It's not never been education. It's not education. And uh, they're really getting the wrong information. And uh, um, I, I, I do pretty dark and dirty material. I do too. I, I, I like that stuff. And and quite often I hear people complaining after the show about topic of sex, and they usually tell me it's because their parent they don't feel comfortable hearing stuff like that. Here's the thing: if you're you're uncomfortable hearing about sex jokes, you're definitely not talking to your kids, Ugh. and you don't get to choose when your parents. You have to be parent twenty four seven, and if you're not talking to them, they're putting themselves in a probably dangerous situations yep. and not getting ready to deal with it in the world. And I think for most women. I read in Vanity Fair, the first three, four months going to college, it's called Red Zone. Uh, it's the first time they're away from home. They never learn to drink alcohol, uh, sexual assault, and things like that. You know, I think it's not your job to feel uh, comfortable. If it makes you uncomfortable, but you could protect your kids, talk to them. You know, that's the, yeah. the, 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 uh, if they're going to porn, it's really not a healthy way to uh, live a life. You know, It's not. And it is a very important um point to make that essentially under your the roof of your household if you are a parent you have to consider that once your child leaves the nest right you have to you have to instill them with tools that they can actually use sure where education lacks because our education system isn't really founded in essential tools as much as it is in this archaic way of teaching so i think as a parent it's really important to like you say teach them about (laughs) sex Teach them what's going to happen out there once they leave, yeah. especially girls, because society, I feel, um, has created this dangerous ideology of how women should be treated, how they should act when it comes to sexuality and in and, and all aspects of life, really. So if, you, if, you, if you're raising a daughter, you have to instill her with some 
confidence. Yes. So that she knows where her limitations are and, w- and what her self-worth is. And if you don't do that, porn will fill in the gaps amongst other things. And I, I tr- you know, one of my passions is traveling. I travel a lot. And uh, the place that does that the best, I have to say the Netherlands, the Dutch are excellent. You know, they, 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 uh, as far as like sex education. Oh, absolutely. And, um, why they, do you say that? Um, they're not uncomfortable teaching from young age. It's mandatory in school about anatomy and physiology and, and, and orgasm. And, uh, and that they tell, uh, Dutch women to be very confident and having orgasm is their right. And they're very, uh, um, I mean, they're just really confident and they're very happier women. You know, I've, I've been going to Netherlands probably twice a year for the last 14 years. Holy shit. I, I like the Dutch a lot, and um, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, yeah. I think uh, from young age, boys are taught by their parents and relatives to talk about their penis and testicle and things like that. Yeah. So they're comfortable with those terms. I think in this country, especially if you complain to places like Netherlands and Japan, that um, the parts of anatomy for girls, they're not even talk about. Don't you mention my pussy. Yeah, and I think they're taught that it's a taboo subject you're not supposed to talk about it but um it's like shameful shameful so if you get sexually assaulted how could you even talk about what happened to you it's one of the biggest you know issues in this society yeah. and you know I, I am a victim of sexual assault i didn't tell anybody my parent i just told my mom a, a few years ago you know and my dad doesn't know because of the shame that is associated yeah. with it and and you're right we aren't teaching our girls to be confident and to have uh, this pride with our bodies. Yeah. So when somebody takes advantage of it, that's a double-edged sword. You don't even want to mention that at all. So you live in this cloud because y- you feel like you're going to be judged on two accounts. Right. For using your body part that you weren't allowed to really speak about. Right. And for somebody else <laughs> taking advantage of that feels shameful. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And have you found traveling to the Netherlands any sort of research or just knowledge about sexual assault or anything like that in that country? Do you feel like uh, them being more open makes sexual assault a less thing that occurs in society there? It, it seems like that. And it's weird. I, I, I go to Scandinavia a lot. And I love Scandinavia. They're great. And there's probably the few uh, region in the world where there's um, equality for women is seem very apparent. But what I don't understand that the rate of, rate of rape is pretty high in Scandinavia. Really? Yeah. And, you know, uh, Stig Larsson, who wrote uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, was a journalist. Actually, the original title for that book was uh, Men Who Hates Women. And it's basically, it's a, it's a uh, story, but it's based on all the years he was doing uh, crime research and writing about criminal activities in, in Sweden. But So he based... The character in 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 it's stories like, on on actual crime reports. I think it's a collection of all the years yeah. of reporting on it, and I don't understand why it's so high. Except it's very gloomy during the winter time. You know, if you stay up all night doing comedy or something, yeah. and you get up late, you miss the whole sun because it's only for four or five hours. And they drink a lot. They do drink a lot there. Yeah, they drink a lot. But I wish like somebody could explain to me. But um, whenever I look at the statistic, I just it's really puzzling to me because women are more independent. They're more open. Open. Their uh, incomes are about very close to each other. Oh, they have a great, you know, like the the society as far as like economic an economic standpoint. They're yeah. pretty. They're all pretty comfortable, very comfortable for the most part. Like that the the 
the gap between the have and have nots is much smaller. Very small. Than c- compared to America. And they're not very religious, so they don't deal with uh, sexual shame. Yeah. yeah. But that's always been mystifying to me. But That from, is an interesting point. But Netherlands, I just think uh, they really prepare the girls. And I mean, I hear so many, I mean, it's just unimaginable in America. Uh, a girl or boy will go to their boyfriend girlfriend's house 15 or 16 and parents know that they're having sex but their attitude is like we taught them we rather they practice safe sex at a safe environment than in back of the car or god knows right. where and, um, and and another interesting thing is there's so many red light districts in Netherlands but um, there's still porn shop there you know yeah and like why why do you have porn shop when you actually get an actual prostitute, you know, even cheaper sometimes? That is interesting. And they basically tell what, what my impression was because people still want to have fantasy and you watch porn. It, it's not sex. It's about fantasy that you don't have in your life. Yeah. You know? And porn, I feel when it's a healthy consumption, mm-hmm. it fills in the gaps it, it opens your mind. Sure. You know, there are negative aspects, but it can open your mind to possibilities. Yeah. You know, before porn, I didn't realize I wanted a cable guy to come over <laughs> and fix my box. It's a guy. <laughs> I'm very conflicted because I, I have a lot of people in the business. I, I like um, I like a lot of my friends, but one, now that I've been out of it for four years, it should be protected. I believe in the first speech, you know? Yeah. It, it should be. But I think people in the porn business should be also honest that some of the stuff is not healthy, you know. It's just like every industry. You could have junk food. Go ahead. You know, I'm not going to prevent anyone from right. not buying it. But you can't eat cheese. It's every day. Yeah. So. And I'm talking to myself when I say that. <laughs> You're in such a good shape. <laughs> I fucking love cheese. It's. Um. Can I? Can I? Can I ask you? Um. Maybe you could explain. Um. I'm it, always like picking females. Anything. Uh, okay. So two things. You know. Um. To be fair with the parents, it, it's got to be a bit of a scary time because, you know, when you hear teenage girls saying they're getting bullied by uh, social media or, you know, when, when I was a kid, girls have some idea people like them. But these days you have a numerical number. Actually, people could click and say how much you like. So you know your value as a person. And the pressure to look good, I mean, I, I, I cannot imagine, you know. Um, to me, uh, women are always worried about what they look like now because of men. It's always about competing with other women, yeah. you know? So, like, how do you deal with that pressure? I don't, I, I, I mean... Well, for me, I equate me hanging on to threads of, 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 of sanity. Threads of sanity. Because yeah. it's so influential, the way society is now, that you have to hang on to whatever little bit of sanity you have. Sure. I... I, I attribute that to coming from a generation where social media was not as prevalent or prevalent at all, where I didn't have a computer in my household, where I wasn't constantly in front of some sort of technological device. I attribute that to me having threads of sanity to know that my worth is rooted in who I am as a human, not how I look. Yeah. But I, I, I touch base on this in my standup. You know, I say that this Kardashian generation is very dangerous. Because while girls like the Kardashians, it's very easy to blame them for everything. And I'm not blaming them for everything. I'm blaming the ideology surrounding them as a influencer in society today, especially pertaining to young girls. 
because from the outside, the Kardashians make money on how they look. Now, while they do do charitable things, they are, uh, you know, business women. They are doing other things aside from that. And in, enormously successful. Enormously successful. Yeah. And, and you can have both. You can have pride in the way you look and be successful. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not dogging <laughs> either of those things. What I'm dogging is that your worth is indicative of how you look. And those girls promote their look so much that I feel like that sets a standard for young girls. And you see the change, especially when you go on apps like Instagram, where the visual is the, the main focus. Yeah. You can see the influence of this Kardashian generation. And it's not the Kardashians, only them doing it. It's a lot of celebrities that are promoting this filtered appearance. And girls see these photos and they think that that is the standard. And they start to try to emulate that. And, and they, instead of filling themselves from the inside out with skills and knowledge and the ability to problem solve, they're concerned about contour and eyebrows. And when all of that fades, what are you left with as a human? And it's really hard to develop personality when you're 40, you know. Hello. Yeah. Develop your personality before your contouring ability. That's my main plight in, in my uh, stand-up. Is I, is I want to really get that through to women, especially women my age. Yeah. Because you, it's so easy to get caught up in this bullshit. I, I do it sometimes, too, where I'm looking on Instagram and I'm like, damn, that girl's got cheekbones like a motherfucker. Well, you know what? So do I. And I don't need makeup to make them pop. And those cheekbones don't make me a good person. Sure, they're a great attribute to my face. But you know what? I can kind of speak a little bit of Greek and a little bit of Spanish. And I've traveled and I know a lot about insects. That shit's pretty cool, too. You've done TV, you do stand-up, and you're helping people with podcasts. But the pressure must be just, I, I can't even imagine, you know. And, you know, I remember years ago when I was visiting Paris, um, I went to Eif right by the Eiffel Tower, and they have, um, like, an antique show on Sundays. And there was a guy selling very old uh, antique photograph. This is within 10 years of uh, invention of camera. He had a collection of uh, pictures of prostitutes in Paris. So these are women who make living by fucking, yeah. you know. But every one of those pictures you take, it was very quaint because they look so um, nervous. They didn't know how to pose. And, uh, you know, you, you would think, like, they should know how to pose because prostitutes. Now, if you go any mall in America randomly mm -hmm. and you see a teenage girl between 10, 11, 12, 14, and you, if you pretend like a fashion photographer and ask them to, to uh, pose, mm -hmm. you don't even have to tell anything. They know how to pose. Yeah. Because they grew up in a so aggressively sexualized society, you know? And even for me, working porn business for like uh, nine years plus five, another five years for retail, I'm, it's staggering how much things have changed, you know? I think porn is not even a problem anymore. It's stuff with Instagram and all. It's all know, that other yeah, shit. It's, it's People Magazine. It's Us Weekly. It's, it's all of these, uh, these um, companies and products that are exploiting sexuality yeah. instead of embracing it. There's a difference between exploitation and, and embracing, you know? When you embrace something, you're celebrating it. Sure. When you're exploiting it, you're using it for something else. It's not, you know, it has little to do with the sexuality yeah. and more to do with what can I hawk yeah. alongside this. And, and I think that's what influences what you're talking about. These girls being able to pose and all of that. Well, that some that parts of that is good because it it... In, in, is indicative of them having confidence. Yeah. But the other side is they're learning through these, you know, editorials and websites and, and all sorts of apps that are sort of showing the more 
exploitative aspect. Do you yeah. think? Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely makes sense. That's why I, I like women in sports because instead of teaching what their bodies should look like, they're teaching them what they're capable of doing with their bodies. It's yep. this amazing feat, you know. And and I'm, I'm I have to say I'm surprised how, how much I changed last year. It's like when I watch women in mixed martial arts because I thought without not knowing like anything, like Ronda Rousey. I just thought this is just terrible. I don't want to see women fight, but I, I really changed my mind. You know, I'm friends with Joe Rogan, and th- those guys are right. It's amazing what these women are doing. But what's even more amazing that after they win the fight, many of those women cry. And I think what, <laughs> not the not the losers, but the I'm winners. I'm gonna cry right now. Yeah, I just think that's amazing because I think um, growing up in Japan, you're just you you know we were taught that you're not supposed to. Uh, express that kind of emotion but i think it's as men you were taught that or just as as society men a lot of it but also women too to Uh, taught not to express your emotion yeah it's well it's a little bit different for women um it's it's a subtle difference but um um, but i'm I'm amazed by the when people are able to you know some traumatic thing happened you're able to talk about it um there's women in mixed martial art i'm I'm just amazed the winners are crying because the 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 honesty of expense you're feeling yeah And I think, um, I can't speak for the rest of every place in Asia, but for Japan, it's, um, yeah, they just are, we were raised not to do that, you know. You're raised to be more, like, like um, for conservative example, with your emotions? Yeah, I, I think that thinking, it's not that Japanese people don't have emotions, they do. It's just that if they're um, grieving, they try not to do it because they feel like, our, we were making our problem everyone else's. So that's a very selfish act. And uh, it's not seen like that over here. But right. over there, uh, you don't do that. For women, um, you know, I, I consider myself Asian with the American citizenship. I don't consider myself Asian American because there's a subtle difference between the two. So you consider yourself Asian at the root and American just because you... You're a citizen because, um, um, you know... In Japan, women traditionally, if you are honest with your honest opinion, uh, honest with your feelings, they might exploit that information and uh, wow. treat you terribly. So uh, it's not that. I think that's why sometimes Japanese are seen like crafty or whatever. But in their society, if you reveal too much, uh, they might take advantage of you and uh, put you in a really bad situation. So you pretend. That's why I think Japanese w- uh, women, women, especially actress. They're uh, outstanding actors because they're even thought early on that uh, pretend like you uh, you like something when you don't, and pretend to dislike something when you like something. Because I've always you... thought that about Japanese film. Yeah, because I've been hard pressed to find one where the women aren't good actresses, and that's interesting that you say that because now are women traditionally in the Japanese society are they expected to be subservient? I think is that the right word. It seems like it has changed quite a bit, and uh, ironically, I think after America beat Japan in uh, World War Two, <laughs> booyah, booyah in your face! I mean, it was a stupid, <laughs> it was a stupid idea. I'm just kidding. Um, General Yamamoto, who was in charge of the whole thing, knew from uh, day one it's impossible to beat America. He we, he went to Harvard and pl- learned to play poker, but it was just a bad idea. <laughs> so you don't get into fight knowing you're gonna lose. Yeah, but I think. Um, I don't think American people get enough um, credit for being unbelievably generous to the rest of the world. And uh, some of the law that they have changed with Japan, 
it really changed the relationship between men and women. And it, 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 it doesn't get enough credit because, once again, Japanese people don't like getting attention and say something like yeah. publicly, you know? Um, I do love the Japanese culture, though. It's one of my favorite cultures. I feel like it, just aesthetically, it's rooted in simplicity. Am I wrong? No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think out of all the Asian countries, I feel very confident saying this. Aesthetic is a very big part of Japanese culture. In fact, um, Japan has 12 or 13 more three-star Michelin restaurants compared to Paris, uh, France. Wow. Because which, which even display the food is set in an uh, aesthetic way, you know? And um, I think it's because they're not Christian either. Yeah, I was just going to say, it, religion influences you know, everything in society, right down to the culinary aspect. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes if you, I go to Midwest or something, I'm always surprised, like, Indiana, you can't have, uh, you can't buy alcohol on Sundays. I thought it was a joke yeah, when like, I got there. The yeah. And you're not going to find a beautifully plated sushi dish in, in Indiana. You're going to find a fucking <laughs> sloppy plate of yeah. ribs with cornbread falling off of it. I mean, they're, they're delicious, too, you yeah, know? Yeah, of course. But aesthetic, I, I think... Um, I think some religious group of people think if you enjoy something beautiful, it's some sort of sin. And I don't think it should be seen like that. I think it's okay to like beauty as long as it's not at the unhealthy level. You yeah. Know? Um, young kids don't have to put makeup to look good. You know? No, they don't. And that's no. an important thing, you know, for young girls. Like getting back to that whole subject of, of how society influences young girls. You don't need to have a flawless. Your features don't need to be flawless yeah. because they aren't. You know, and that's okay. And girls have to learn how to be comfortable in that aspect. And that's interesting with, you know, talking about Japanese culture, especially with the women. Yeah. Appearance is a huge thing in Japanese culture. Wouldn't you agree? Am I wrong in that sentiment? Yeah. They, they, um, they don't, who does, what women doesn't want to see to be beautiful and right. desire. That's, uh, you know, it's great. Um, does the Western, culture influence Japanese women in the way they dress like the the whole um geisha appearance yeah with painting the face white is that reflective of a western influence or is that something that's more of a traditional thing that has to do with specific it's been around for a long time even before the west but um i don't i don't know what it is it's uh, i i you know uh, the feminist camille palia um she wrote uh, uh oh, now I'm forgetting her. Want me to Google her? Camille Paglia? Yeah, she's she's incredible. Um, she, she wrote a book. and um, I'm going to Google it for you while you're talking. But she said, that she's Italian-American, but she said that there's three distinct traditions that loves uh, beauty. It's Italian, French, and Japanese. And uh, I, I think it's true. All three culture. Sexual. Persona. Yep, oh, sexual persona. It's just. Uh, uh, wow, she's influenced by Sigmund Freud. Um, Frederick Nietzsche and Har Har Harold Bloom. Damn. If you uh, if you list, if you see some of her uh, video clips. I mean, she's a force of nature. I've seen her once, and she could talk. And her knowledge, such expansive knowledge of the world history, world art, and um, you, I think you will love her. She's she's a um, anti-feminist feminist. I'm, that's how I feel I am. She's a pro <laughs> sex workers, prostitution, and porn. Wow. And um, and looking at her just on a judgmental mm -hmm. level, you wouldn't expect that. She just looks like a, a regular w lady that, you know, 
is a neighbor who will complain about your dog pissing on her lawn. Oh, no, she's nothing like that at all. In fact, uh, for years, um, academia will fight her because uh, she's she's all into free speech, aggressive comedy, uh, Oh, God, beauty. I got to find... Is she alive? She's alive. She, she teaches at the um, University of Art. Is that what it is in Philadelphia? Univers- yeah, really good. University of the Arts in Philadelphia since 1984. She loves sports, and um, uh, her favorite sports is football. And so... Wow. Um, New York Times has described her as the first and foremost educator. She's incredible. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm never, uh, very few people that move me emotionally and excited. I mean, she's hilarious too. And I got to find this lady. Yeah. I mean, I think. Thank you for introducing I, me I to think you'll be perfect if you have a chance to interview someone like yeah. that. And uh, I mean, she's like Tasmanian devil when she speaks, you know what I mean? She's a tiny little lady, but <laughs> in terms of art and religion and why uh, comparative religion is important. But she's a pro woman, and she's trying to um, make these uh, women like Amazonian, you know, like a warrior. Yeah, type, you know? I'm all about that shit. The physical strength, confidence, ambition, and um, like blurring the lines as far as like what femininity really yeah. represents. Because it's not just you know being delicate in a in a sundress and sandals. You can wear all that, but have this like warrior attitude to boot. And I think I think women being aggressive in common, I think it's great. I don't I don't particularly like clean material, to be honest. I you know I don't I don't not like it, but I don't relate to it as much as quote unquote dirty humor. Yeah. And I don't even like the pejorative term associated with that. I don't think it's fair to label it because it limits really what is embodied within each genre of of comedy, each style of comedy. Clean humor has yeah. its place, but dirty humor has had this. Uh, negative cloud over it. And I think you're right. I'm, I should rephrase that. It's not even dirty. It's just a frank talk. Frank talk. Frank and talk. it's real. Yeah. Let's be honest. Because the irony is that clean clean comedy is seen as this, you know, the almost like the re- religion of comedy. It's this puritanical um, subject. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's deemed more marketable. It's deemed more um, accepted because it's representative of the society that we kind of hope we're in. But and easy, rea- easy to present to mo- more people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because the reality is we aren't comfortable with the truths that exist yeah. in society. Because, you know, sometimes when I listen to, like, let's say, uh, Latin comic, a black or a female comic, sometimes they do material and that certain groups will laugh and like, oh, that must be true. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of learning through the things that they say. Yeah. And I think it's, it has changed quite a bit. I mean, I can imagine... You know, if you watch the com- women, female comedy like 30, 40 years ago, I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure they have so much limitation what they oh, could say, yeah. you know, and um, I, I think it, I think it's great. I mean, um, you, you're doing great work, Esther, and of course, I, I, Amy's humor has been having a great. Yeah, she's you, killing it. She's killing it. And I think um, it's good to trickle down to everybody, um, you know. It, it, it's, I think we forget that comedians are an important part of society, mm-hmm. male or female, because we're essentially the, the vehicle between people and events. We see events, we digest it, and yeah. we deliver it to people through our, our, um, our perspective. And like you're saying, you know, female comics from 30, 40 years ago are reflective of the society as well, but Absolutely, they're, they're yeah. reflective within the limitations that they have. And, and where you realize that those limitations are restrictive is when you see people like Joan Rivers, who was existing in the same time, but was breaking those boundaries. 
and even people like Richard Pryor, who was breaking those boundaries. You know, him as a black man in that society, in that yeah. era, he wasn't supposed to be saying things he was saying. I'm glad you mentioned Joan because Camille has such a wonderful thing to say to her, say, say about her. And it's, I just did a podcast with my friend Brad Upton. He used to open for her. <laughs> oh, and, man, uh, that's awesome. And he was telling me, she was just amazing. Like, you know, every once a week, she will go to shelter and help poor people. Very kind to all the. I mean, you, these things you never heard of. You yeah. know, you just hear this lady doing funny shows, being outrageous. But she was a hard worker. But I just can't. I'm old enough to remember she she went against Johnny Carson. It's just balls, toe to toe. Just balls on her. And you know, I'm sure you have a many younger listeners. They they have no idea how big he is because there's so many late night talk yep. posts right now. But he was the only one. He was the only he one. He was the only one. And he was the dictator of what was good. You know, he he was he was the I probably shouldn't say word dictator because I'm offend people. I'm gonna have a bunch. I mean, of- I love Johnny Carson too. You know, <laughs> but uh, for I don't think any man would have dared trying to go against him. No, it, it took somebody like Joan to do that. You know, I think it was I think it was for Fox and yep. Um, they never spoke again. No, afterwards. he he blacklisted her yeah. from from the network because she wanted to do her own thing, and and I think maybe a part of Carson knew that she was good enough to do it. And maybe that was a threat to his masculinity and yeah. him as a person. And he felt that he should be the one deciding what she should do. And, you know, I understand that because he also was a reflection of society at the time. I know that he had a lot to do with helping her in the beginning. So he he probably was upset. Of course. Upset. She owed him. How could she? You know, he took it personally. But, you know, what I like about her, she... she 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 didn't blindside. She called him before the news yeah, was she released did. and like, hey John, I just want to let you know. Thank you for all you, all you have done. But I'm just letting you know I'm going to Fox. She have gave a show. him that courtesy. Yeah, yeah. She called him and uh, he, he hung up once. She called him back again and uh, he hung up on her again. Supposedly that's what I read. That's a story yeah. I've yeah. heard that as well. And if that's true, you know that's you realize that ego is a huge part of this business. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what era you're in. You know you have to deal with ego. And especially as a woman, there's still this um, stand, you know, this like double standard where I sometimes have, I come a, a, up against male ego and I have to learn how to yeah. handle it. It's almost like a like a lion tamer. You, you know, you have to w- figure out what meats to put in that lion's face so he doesn't attack you. Yeah, look, I, I think <laughs> um, if, if uh, a woman is uh, very assertive and making a, Good business decision. People say she's being a bitch. She's a bitch. I, if a guy do it, he's being he's a, a CEO. Yeah. So I'm really confounded by this election, you know, because they're saying all kinds of things, but uh, Hillary Clinton and um, you know, it's it's amazing how little she could get away with. Where Trump could he, remember about eight nine months ago, he said I could literally Trump said something <laughs> like he could literally go downtown in New York City with a gun, start shooting air, and his poll would drop. It'd probably go up. Yeah, he, he's probably he's right. He's right. Yeah. The thing about um, Trump that's interesting to me that he's almost, I don't even want, I don't even want to say almost, he has found a way to utilize people's ideologies and sensibilities and their judgment in his favor yeah. by saying things that are deemed um you know uh racist and it, well being out, you know outright racist oh. 
but he's, it's almost like he's anticipating people's responses and knowing that when he says these things, people are going to react in a certain way. And it's not the reaction he wants. It's the, it's the polls and it's the, um, attention that he's going to get. I'm a little conflicted about him because I like wrestling. He's he's been inducted in the um, WWE Hall of Fame. Thing. I saw that. Yeah, and <laughs> it's a, a lot of a showmanship. And I think I don't really believe the things that he say he claimed to believe. I don't really believe it. I, I don't I, either. I think I, he's using it. I think he's from. I, I think he's. I really think he's a cosmopolitan guy, growing up in New York City, traveled mm-hmm. all over the world. I think he's really surprised that he's doing really well. I think. And I do too. Because his kids say whatever you want, but they seem pretty well adjusted. You know, uh, maybe their his wife or former wives did a better job raising them, but they seem like a pretty decent people, and they don't seem racist or sexist at all. So I think, I think he's just playing this role because he can't lose. If he wins, he's a president. If he loses, his name is out there. Yeah, so. he's a businessman. Yeah, and you know, I've I posted something about Melania Trump. You know, for the speech, and I posted a meme. Yeah. And I talked about this last week. The one thing I will say that I've noticed with my own personal experience is that his supporters come with a lot of rage. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting political time because people are pissed off. And I'm not saying Hillary Clinton's better. I'm not saying Trump's better. I'm not saying Hillary's worse or Trump is worse. They're a reflection of our society. They are a reflection of where we're at. Yeah. And political race has turned into America's Got Talent, in a sense, because nobody ever thought Trump would make it this far. I didn't. I, I, I really thought he, was, he would drop out by April. I did, too. And I think you realize how good he is at business. He sees it as a business, and he's using tools that are no different than, like, a People magazine yeah. or, you know, uh, an artist, you know, some pop art artist using these little things that they p- drop into society because they know that a whole flood of people are going to respond to it. And it's a, it's a similar approach. And I'm terrified because either way it goes, whoever's going to be in that seat, I'm not 100% confident because uh, Hillary's got this whole uh, Benghazi thing behind her. And, yeah. you know, the, the thing that's crazy, and my boyfriend and I were talking about this, is that Trump is being tried for Trump University. Where's Hillary's trial with the whole Benghazi thing? She erased emails. It, but you know what's weird about that? Because I'm old enough to remember when uh, 200, around 200 of, uh, of Marines died in Lebanon in the early 80s. Ronald Reagan made, I don't know, one speech, and that was over with. That was done. That was done, you know. Um, Where's the accountability? And I don't know why people are so critical. I mean, I don't know... I, I don't actually, I didn't really, I read a one Vanity Fair article and that's it, but. Um, <laughs> I think that's so funny. I love your honesty. But, but I, I don't know if it was a man who was uh, responsible for that situation. It might've been different. I really don't know. Um, I, 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 I do think you're very fair. I was surprised how uh, fair you were about gun issue in Orlando episode, you know. What and, do you mean? Oh, you know, because. The whole, when people are getting killed, you're basically, people are always saying, get rid of guns and the, the violence would disappear. But, um, and I just don't think that's, I don't, I think I, life is a lot more complicated. That's why when Trump say, I'm going to, he never say how he's going to do something, it's going to be done. But I think most people just believe him because, well, he's a billionaire. He must know what he's talking about. Right. But 
business and politics are two different things. It's you, two you, totally different things. Yeah, and they can cross. There are there is a crossroad. Sure. I just don't. I I don't. It, the problem is people are thinking in too much of like these definitive terms. And with the whole gun control thing, it's it's just kind of like people say things. Yeah. And they they say it because they believe it, but they're not really understanding what it means. Same thing as is people being like Black Lives Matter. They just say it. And they think that because they say it, they're they're enforcing change. Just by saying I, I just tweeted this. Yeah. I said, just because you know you, you say shit doesn't mean you're gonna get the shit done. You actually have to do shit. Because I, I, I don't know if the protest stuff actually worked. I, 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 don't, I don't know enough for me to know. I think it influences for sure because it, it brings attention to a subject. But beyond protesting. But if you hear it all the time, it just gets loud. After a while, it's just, just a noise. sound. Yeah. And I just mean, the same thing as saying gun control, gun control, gun control. I can say that until the motherfucking cows come home. And it does make me sad, but it just seems, doesn't it seem like there's a shooting every week, it seems like? You know, I'm yeah. getting kind of. I mean, sad to say this, but I'm getting used to it, you know. Well, that's the problem. People are becoming desensitized. And when we're saying it, it almost becomes a pop culture term instead of a movement. Yeah. You know, we're saying Black Lives Matter. We're saying gun control. Or when you go to grocery stores and the cashiers say, how are you? But they don't really mean it. They don't mean it. Yeah. We're just, we're recycling these things yeah. that, that, that are just becoming, you know, just like a throwaway term. And people think just by saying something, they're doing something. You're not. Just because you're saying Black Lives Matter, you're not, you're not really a part of the movement. You actually have to, inf- you have to instill something in your life. Yeah. A, a way of, of treating people, a way of um, doing something in society to really make a ripple. Just by tweeting it, you're not doing anything. I, I grew up tons of uh, military bases, and I know people really mean well when they say thank you for your service. Yeah. But um, did you did you know that um, Israelis have tendency of less PTSD incidents for their soldiers? I, I think I think the theory is many of them serve in military. So when you uh, uh, no longer serving, everyone else you knows what you went through. Because if you never served, you don't know what they went you through. You have no, no I- fucking idea. idea. Or if you've been sexual assaulted, you have no idea. Just saying sorry or thank you for your service. It means well, but I, I don't think... It's such an empty thing. Yeah, you know, I mean... I'm, I'm, it's, it's like it's, serving a cake to somebody who needs nutrition. Yeah. It, it, it's good. It, you know, it tastes okay. So I think those guys serve in the U.S. military and they get out and they're... They, it's not that they're a warmonger, but it's quite amazing these uh, men and women serving this country. They, even with an uh, injury, they want to go back. Be- not yeah. because they 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 want to kill people. They just want to be with that group, you know. Yeah, that's because so- they, they they can relate to it, and yeah. they're the only people who understands what they went through. And I think that's why if you're a comedian, you like hanging out with other comedians. If yeah, you're it's a, a sensibility. Star, it's not because they're only in, into sex, but they like hanging out with people that know what you're going through, you know. And I think once you're once you are separated from that group, I think that's where the mental illness or um, um, depression and stuff. Yeah. My, Creeping, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. Have you ever? Um, I was just asking you before. I was thinking about when we were talking about Japanese culture. This just came back to me. Do you get back to Japan often? I, I haven't been back um, thirteen years. What? Uh, Why? Oh. Um, <laughs> oh God! Is there a story attached to that? I mean, I don't. I don't mind talking because if if you don't know, I don't. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel I, something I, juicy coming up. 
I, I you're told, starting to get nervous. I, I'm not nervous. I just um, you're I, twitching. I, talk, I talked about I talked about it a lot that uh, on Rogan's podcast, but um, um, I I flew back 13 years ago and they found my dad's body and uh, they don't know if he committed suicide or he was murdered. We don't. We still don't know. And uh, in Japan, they don't do autopsy if the family doesn't make a request. And I think I think um, six months before he died, I saw him for a little bit and. Uh, we, you know, myself and my uh, dad's family side found out that my stepmother was cheating on my dad before the marriage, during the marriage. And, um, you know, I remember one time he, my, my dad was uh, saying like, oh, it's your stepmother about his, her um, cousin. They're staying for a couple of months or whatever. And he had no idea it was, it, it, it's, it's, it's her uh, lover. And <gasps> it, so when he go to work, she was fucking the guy. Oh my God. And uh, stuff like that. And, um, my dad never told me about it until the last time I saw him. But I was mad at him because you shouldn't let you shouldn't let yourself treated by anyone like that, you know. And um, when he passed away, I went back at the funeral and ended up, you know, basically put her in the hospital. I beat her so much. I I I think I probably would have killed her. You if, beat her? Yeah, I I assaulted her and her wow. uh, her sister, brother-in-law, and nephew. So I can't. Just could, all this rage came up. Yeah, because my dad, he he never hit me. He never had anything ugly to say about people. But there are certain group of people in the world, they just don't know how to deal with that sort of uh, behavior, you know. And my dad was one of those guys. And I'm I'm not like my dad. I'm more like my mother, who was very aggressive and can be very mean, you know. But my stepmother didn't know that about me because I don't really know her. But, yeah, I haven't been back because I almost killed her and... um Assault her family members and holy shit! I mean, I could uh, let me rephrase that. I could go back. I don't know if I could get out. You know, I don't, <laughs> that's, that, that's I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to find out. And the reason why I ended up talking to Joe Rogan because he asked me the first time he was going to Japan. Oh my god! First time he's going to Japan to do mixed martial art. He wanted me to go and maybe do a translation. And you know, Joe is a just amazing person. He's, he's, a, a, he's a great, a great person. guy. I, and I, I don't, I don't want to say no without a reason, you know. So I, I finally told him. Then once I was on his show, maybe a year after that, I, you know, it's not something I hide. But what I will say is, I, I was pretty amazed because you don't want to hear any guy beating uh, a woman. Woman. Well, it, it, just as a to to interject as a woman, because of the way society yeah. presents it, because we don't talk about women. Beating men, but that exists. And women are sort of, you know, these coveted creatures in society. Yeah. And so when it comes to domestic abuse, it's usually, it's, it's commonly seen as a man aggressing against a woman. And we don't ever highlight that in the flip side, women do attack men. And I think that is an influencer. Yeah, and... I don't think there are people. I think I don't think my dad was very comfortable talking until like last three or four months uh, before he killed himself. I saw him the last time, and um, I forgot to say she tried to poison him once. I know this sounds like uh, one of those. It's fucking tragic. And um, and um, the last uh, last day, my cousin saw my dad alive. You know, we we they talked to my stepmother, say, "Well, you're in Japan at the time." She's ethnically Korean, and. Uh, she said, no, I was in Japan that week. And we find out later on she was, uh, she flew into Japan um, the last the day before last time. Uh, they saw my dad alive. Now, there's a lot of circumstantial stuff. Yeah, and it's, it, it's speculative, but you got to look at 
what you think it is. And then they, they um, you know, they, they finally, after, after he passed away, they even told me all the terrible things that he was do, doing to my dad, you know, so. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Couldn't she have requested an autopsy? Oh, but she's not going to. To me, that's really fucking fishy. Why? Why wouldn't she request an autopsy? She she just says, you know, well, they found my dad as suicide, you know, hanging from ceiling. But people have been murdered in that fashion. Yeah. You know, just because it looks, things aren't always the way they appear, and we know that. There's a very uh, uh, well-known reporter in Japan called Jake Edelstein, and um, he's American, but he learned to speak Japanese and write crime. Stories for newspaper for years, and in fact, uh, who's that kid that played uh, star of a Harry Potter? What's his name? Uh, oh, um, Daniel what, Rack- Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, I looked at the nerd, our nerd producer. He, uh, <laughs> Daniel will be playing uh, Jake Edelstein's character in uh, 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 about his inc- there's a, there like was a biopic. A, yeah, there was a big incident uh, in Japan and yakuza and things like that. So he he this guy knows a lot about crime stories in Japan. And I, I tweeted him one time, and uh, he was kind enough to reveal to me. He said, "Yeah, yes, if 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 it's suicide, and because there's so many of them in Japan, they just assume that's natural. Because it's, there's it, so many suicides, so many suicides, right? They just chop it up to that, yeah, which would make a great murder. Mur- it's easy to murder someone and look like suicide. They and, wouldn't even question it. Yeah, and if suicide doesn't, uh, if the parents doesn't, uh, family doesn't make a request, the police will not do autopsy. That's insane." So I mean that is just crazy to me. That, but once again, stigma. People don't want to talk about that stuff at all. And that's cultural shit. Yeah, that's some deep rooted issues. You, they they have all kinds of crazy porn. Oh yeah, oh, the Jap- the Japanese sexual like the underground sexuality that exists in the Japanese culture is mystifying. It's mystifying. I mean, I can't understand because I grew up there too. Yeah, but as an outsider, you're like what? What? But <laughs> but to them. The way Westerners uh, express how much they love their parents, kiss and hug, it just they just don't that to that to them is like shocking. Yeah, just like we're shocked by their porn, right? You know, so so I, I to answer your question, I haven't been back. I <laughs> so I guess I realize why you haven't been back in fucking Japan. I I haven't been back. Um, we have a, a mutual friend with my stepmother's family, and they kind of say, like, look, we understand why you did it. We, we hope no problem, whatever, you know. And I think they're more afraid of me, you know. And um, You, I don't, you I, need I, a movie, man. I don't think I don't think I should have a problem. Because Japan is really weird. Violence goes, if it's within family members, and technically she was my stepmother, they don't really want to get involved. I mean, if they're not even doing an autopsy on your dad's body, and you go in... Your dad is dead. This is a crazy thing to me. Your yeah. dad's dead, right? Yeah. So you physically assaulted this woman. Was that the smartest decision? No. No. Was it good? No. But if you went in and you went back and they arrested you for that, I'd be like, hold the motherfucking phone. There's a dead guy here that you motherfuckers didn't even investigate. Yeah, I, I did ask. the. Uh, the I went to the police station. I saw the pictures. And they, you know, what, what, uh, what the picture. They told me, we'd rather you not do that. And I'm glad my brother didn't see it, but I, I really need to see what um, last moments were. For and, your father? Yeah. And summertime is incredibly hot and humid. Oh, God. And they didn't find the body. And they don't know how long he's been dead, but probably two to three weeks. Oh, my God. So and I'm, you saw those photos? And I'm, I'm, Jesus. Of course, as a comedian, you know, you, you, you have, I mean, you, you feel sad, but you can't help as a comedian <laughs> because... 
my dad got so dark. He he looked like something from Alabama during the '60s. You know those uh, KKK just. So my dad looked like a black person because he he, he was so. Marty told me this now. Marty told me about your joke. Yeah, well, it, I don't want I don't want to want to say it because no, it's a little wet out there. But just listen to Joe Rogan's podcast is all right. But yeah, and I think. That's when people get mad at comedians, but they don't understand. It's a coping mechanism. It's a. Co- it's not only a coping. We're not saying. I'm not saying. I'm glad they murdered my dad or suicide. I'm not saying that. It's it's the way we cope. Just like, believe it or not, for some porn girls, it's not about tension of money. It's, they're probably coping with that shit the, yeah. because when you're sexual assault, it just seems like some of the girls go too extreme. Either have too much sex or no sex. Yep. But they're both same thing because. They have a choice controlling what the, the decision, what they're going to do with themselves, you know, and and I, the body shaming stuff that's terrible because I know I know plenty of my friends who uh, who were very skinny in high school, they got assaulted, they got really heavy because they know that if they're too heavy, probably not be, they won't be attracted to a guy or you know what I mean, like yeah. they would never be bonded. And like when you hear stories like that, you know, just. It just breaks your heart, you know? And I it think does. I think I I think that's why you and Esther talking about this stuff. I I think it really helped people. I think podcast is so much more intimate than some dumb radio show. Well I you try know? you know, I try and keep I, I like to talk about real shit on stage and mm-hmm. I do. And I'm doing it a lot more because I'm becoming more aware of myself as a human being. Yeah. But it's 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 humor and it's jokes and it serves a specific purpose. And on yeah. my podcast, I always want to talk about real shit. because to me, that's the fuel for the humor. Yeah. And in my dark mind, I have to tell you where I went just now. When you, it, This is the core. I mean, it would not offend me. Believe me. It would not offend me. It's and terrible. Me, I, I say some terrible stuff. Believe me. Um, when you were talking about your dad. Yeah. And, you know. Hanging from he, ceiling. Right. And yeah. how he looked to you. And yeah. then you went right to the body shaming thing. Yeah. In my mind, I there was a direct correlation between, well, wouldn't it be funny to body shame somebody after they died. <laughs> Just imagine, like, in my mind, I'm picturing you body shaming your dad and seeing those photos of him and being, like, like judging the way he looked. That's oh. where my brain went. Isn't no, you're, you're, you're very kind. And you're, <laughs> I, no, I went even worse. Ah. I even say he looked like N-word. That's what I said. That was, <laughs> you know, and I... Even the most ugly situation, I will uh, say that kind of stuff. And and Joe got Joe. It kind of startled Joe because he didn't know where I was going his with it. Whole clenched. Yeah, but like because I don't, I I could not process it because I just saw him. And you pro- You did process it. It's not that you couldn't. You processed it through the way your comedic brain works. Yeah. And and the most important thing, even though it doesn't, it, it leaves a bad taste in society's mouth. The way you processed it, yeah. it's the most honest way. I think I think so too, and it's important for you to embrace that, yeah. especially as a comedian, because I feel like we're kind of an equalizer in society. Yeah, because we represent what people's thoughts and sensibilities are, but they're afraid to express it. So we let them know that those thoughts are, they're okay to have because they're linked to our carnal existence yeah. as humans. So it, it's interesting to me, and it, and I love that you're you're you went there because. You were able to. Well, I mean, the cop that was a crazy person because I saw. I kind of laughed. Was like, I didn't mean to. <laughs> when you saw the photo, you laughed. Well, I mean. Oh my god. I mean, if half of it is terrible, but other half, <sighs> and I don't force these thoughts. I just don't block it. So that's. So I'm sad, but <laughs> but I'm thinking like you know the pictures of my head. You know how they take people's head and put it in the other photographs. Yeah, and yeah. That? 
I just thought like, geez, when did my dad become Tyrone? You know, and uh, um, I know I'm, I'm sure we were running out of time. I just want to say uh, two quick things. Yeah. One, I was shocked. I, I didn't want to talk about that for a long time because, you know, people might get upset, but I couldn't believe how many emails I got from all over the world. And it, particularly like Australia too, but they always tell me like, I'm glad you talked about it because something happened to my father with my stepmother or something happened to my mother with my stepfather. Uh, and like, they didn't know what to do. They, they, they and there's just, no place to go to really talk about that. Yeah, they're just so angry because it's clearly their mother or father. Something happened to them. Was because murdered. Of, yeah, and and, and um, um, you know, I I I never anticipate. I I've, I've figured out get hundreds of like complaints. Not once did I get like, uh, I mean, my friends did like they wish I wouldn't do with that because they think it would be bad for my uh, soul or whatever you know yeah but, but still but i was surprised i'm hu- literally hundreds of emails people saying um it gave them a bit of a relief because they were so frustrated only difference is i i i was able to go to back to another country you know yeah like if it happened states i don't know if i could have done that for sure i couldn't get away with that you know no um i'm glad that you were able to get away with it and and, and and my stepmother's family, you know, just told them, uh, meet your friend two years ago. Like, we, we, we understand what we hope, we, you know, we could move on. But I, I, told, I told my friend's mother, well, that's nice, but if I ever see her again, I don't, I don't think I could control myself, you know. And, uh, Even after no, the I don't first think, time? No, because this is, this is such an uncomfortable thing, but I, I, I think. I find comfort in uncomfort. I, I know that this is a Christian country, so they don't like the notion of a re- revenge, but I think that's something that uh, um, Japanese people clearly understand. Oh, revenge is a, is a very, that's a big pillar in the Japanese culture. A lot of your movies, the theme is revenge. Yeah. And, and the people would say, like, you can't bring your father back or you're acting like an animal. No, you don't understand. We're, we're better than animals because animals are incapable of having those abstract thinking. If you have a, a, a animal and it has a, a offspring, uh, if a lion attacked it, to a point where the parents know that uh, the, the child's be dead, mm-hmm. it just move on. They just they could cut they'll laws. leave it. They they cut laws, but humans cannot just cut laws. We have to. Uh, we we have this notion of revenge because we have to show the rest of the world. If you do something to my kid, even my kid is dead, I have to make sure other kids are protected because how we respond to that sort of violence, you know? And um, I know it's not a PC thing to say, but I, I really understand it. I think that's why people send me email because that anger, you know, when, 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 when something happened to your loved ones... And you can't do anything? Anything about it. Or you get punished if you do yeah. something. And it's infuriating. Um, you know, Schwarzenegger, before he uh, finished governorship, one of his political party, uh, this Democrat, I don't remember the guy's name, but his son murdered a kid in San Diego... And, 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 and Schwarzenegger, before he got out of governorship, committed a commute to that kid. He murdered this kid. They're both Latino, victim and, 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 and killer. And instead of doing, I don't know, 17, 18 years, he's only going to do five, six, seven years, you know? You, you know how infuriating for your family that not only were your son was murdered, a nice guy, he wasn't even causing a problem. This psychopath. He gets off. Gets off because his dad is a very powerful democratic. It's fucking disgusting. It's, it's, it's uh, disgusting because of who his dad is he gets off. And that happens a lot in society. And, and uh, it's, even he this 15, 17 years, that's still terrible because that guy have a, a life still. Yeah, he'll be know? able to do stuff. He'll, he'll be free. And I apologize. I don't remember. I, I kind of blanked their name. But when I read that, it just, 
I, well, you're blanking on who the the victim and the yeah and and, and and the killer and it just makes me really angry when I hear stories like that. You know, it just I I feel for them. Well, revenge is a very it's a it's a human emotion and it's mm-hmm. a human um, characteristic that we I think we naturally want, like you said, because we have the ability to feel. And you're kind of like a crusader for a lot of people who can't embark on that if they know wrongdoing happened to one of yeah. their family members. You wanna. And maybe for me, that's maybe a part of the reason why I never told my dad about what happened to me because I know. Oh, he will kill that. He guy. would kill that guy. He will kill that guy. Right. And so I don't know why I'm trying to protect somebody who did wrong to me, but you know that revenge is a real thing. Yeah. And it's viewed as a negative thing. But, you know, like I said, the way you handled it, maybe not the best, but you handled it the only way you could have. And people like you were asking me, like, how do I feel about it? It just that stuff. Yeah, it's it's hard to go get over you know Do, i'm know. sure you still how long had you did, done comedy before your father passed away late 90s well well for long off and off a long time but um Do, you're but, just, but that that the comedic thinking i i think a long time because my family get, they're, they're not very funny people <laughs> and they, and they, and and um some asian people believe that if you laugh too much it's a bad quality because uh, only said in a very uh, politically incorrect way, they think you're retarded if you laugh all the time. So Really? Yeah, they think you're an idiot if you laugh all the time. So We should do a comedy tour in Japan. <laughs> that's why <gasps> Esther, Let's do the revenge a... comedy tour. <laughs> With Esther. Es- you know how much la- Esther laughs? That's why I always liked her because... <laughs> that's her Esther laugh. When I met her, uh, we, we, go, you know, we did a show, I don't know, I think Brea, and we went to Denny's, and like she was annoying everyone at the restaurant because she was laughing so loud. And her laugh is very distinct. I like I like that about kids being loud, you know. Yeah. But in Japan, I, I remember many of my cousins' kids. They're so rowdy, you know. It's yeah. Kind of annoying, but once it hit twelve or thirteen, that social obligation, if everybody kind of put that stuff aside, so. I know a lot of people say Japan is great, low crime and things like that, but there's a heavy price. Like you're no you're no longer a one. You're just part of the group and don't yeah. think about yourself. So if you're grieving, do it privately. But I don't know. There's there's definitely good things about Japan, but there's other things that we could definitely learn and just learn from Americans, you know. Yeah. Like it's so brave. I know people think it's silly, but those they show where they said something horrible happened to them, they talk about it. That's just amazing. It's just unheard of in Asia. They just Revenge is sweet, man. Revenge, the ang- anger is an acceptable emotion to express, but yeah. showing love for someone, things like that, it's it's still uncomfortable, I think, for most Asian people. They show it by different way. But, yeah. Um, and I think if you ever talk to Esther, it's just, we 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 laugh because it's it's the same story every 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 Asian person you talk to. Yeah, it's very. I, I know I've noticed that. Yeah. Across the culture, is it's a very uh, distinctive trait. I'm glad. I, I want you to get some more revenge. I want to go back there with you. Like, just, have you have you been? Never. You should go. I, I, you should come with me. You, 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 <laughs> because if if you know even a couple of phrases, it's it's a uh, especially you're very attractive, so you could get on TV and stuff. Foreigners over there. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna get on Japanese TV you and should. I'm gonna scream about revenge for you. <laughs> I'm here for Yoshi, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> you, should, you should go. I think you like it a lot. Um, I'm almost uh, I'm curious what the foreigners 
think about Japan and I'm definitely gonna go. My, my boyfriend and I may make a trip there. I definitely want to go. There's Tokyo Comedy Club. They do have English shows, so you probably could do shows there. There's a lot of expats. Uh, I'm friends with Russell Peterson. He was trying to do a show this year, but they couldn't find a venue. So uh, there's definitely an opportunity to do, do stand up. Not to mention military bases too. Yeah. yeah, Osaka. There's a huge one, right? That's my hometown, and um, I think um, it's, and if you like fashion, uh. uh is it Gwen Stefani? Oh my, yeah, the yeah, Hirojuku girls. Yeah, she is like Hello. queen there. Yeah. The, streets, the street fashion. If you help me book shows, I will get your sweet revenge. You should, you should definitely go and uh, empower those, those women in Japan. You know? I'm going to go empower Japanese women all over. And I'm going to get revenge for you. And the uh, last one was um, um, quick. I, 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 I've been to Afghanistan twice. I have friends over there. And, uh, you know... Um, and I'm sure you're running out of time, but um, separating boys from boys and girls from young age, it's it's a terrible formula. It really is. It's a ter- because they they learn to treat women the way their father, their fathers, dad, and their uncle, their drunk uncles, and it it really provides society with the with the majority of the issues that that exist as far as like violence and and just things that occur between the genders. Yeah. And what's right and what's deemed right and what's what's deemed wrong. And and there there really are beautiful people. It it's just the way the way they uh some of the, the way they uh, deal with life's problem, you know, yeah. it's it's it's, it's uh, um terrible. But um my friend Sam Hussaini is like a pretty big mogul, media mogul and in he, Afghanistan? Uh, Afghanistan and um he, he's pretty big. He does business with Rupert Murdoch and people like that. He's huge. What's and, his name? Uh Sam Hussaini. Okay. He was on Daily Show with uh uh, uh John Stewart. And he was one of the 100 most influential people in Time Magazine four years ago. So he's Holy one, fuck. yeah, he's one of those guys. And his family fled when the Taliban, the Russian. Well, I think if, they probably left uh, when the Russian Soviet Union took over. Then, and then of course, it was terrible with, with the Taliban. But when he returned early 2000, uh, after we invaded, he created media companies there. And this is amazing. I didn't when I went there two times. His mother was telling me, "Af Kabul." The, their capital used to be like the Paris of Central Asia. Like I, I then I saw a picture of his mother in sixties in miniskirt. So what? It just show how quickly things go terrible yes. quickly. And Saad uh, making the show called uh, um, uh, like a Afghan Idol, like American Idol. <laughs> oh God! Twelve years ago. So they're speaking first year. Uh, they threatened to kill this girl because she showed a little bit too much of her wrist and neck, and you know, which is like a, a ridiculous. And this was how long ago? Ten, ten years, 10, 10, 12 years ago. And then in the sixties, this woman's pictured in a miniskirt. Yes. Yeah, how so does it go so fast? It, it can go bad if if you uh, don't pay attention to it, and uh, if you let wrong group of people take control of your country, you know. And, but now. I've seen some of the clip from uh, recent years. Now uh, they even see more legs. So it just shows that if you give enough, enough time with TV, you can change people's attitude. If, even Taliban, it's it's hard for them to compete with TV. The Taliban? I mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the Taliban, yeah. They, they, they can't compete with TV show. And what's amazing, I know a lot of people think soap operas are terrible, but you have no idea how much that uh, soap opera have helped women in places like Afghanistan, because they see those uh, Colombian 
soap opera. Oh my god, the Telemundo soap operas, all those crazy soap. The, it's amazing. Like the, it, the women are portrayed like these powerful, yes, sexual beings. Because I'm I'm watching it. Of course, they translate Dari, the official language of Afghanistan, and uh, or at least the majority language. And I'm watching like sometimes they blur certain things uh, during the show. Yeah. Like, oh, is it because she's wearing designer? Closest way. No, because they have to cover the cleavage and things like that. That's you know? crazy. It's crazy. But when they see women are treated better in those TV shows, it expands women's view. Com- what's possible. Yep. What's possible. Like, there's maybe they can't go protest in public, but they could slowly push their husband yep. to, like, look at the way these women are living. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it makes them want more for themselves. One more. And hopefully, when 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 they have a chance, maybe teach their son to be a better person, you know. But it's gonna take time. But um, even places like can change. But you you just gotta be realistic and uh, be village uh, village in the body, yeah. you know. And and that's why we sh- you should never take stuff for granted. No, you shouldn't. You should never because as soon as somebody complain about sex joke, like ugh, free speech always. Free speech always, and in in. Little by little, it changes society. Yes, one motherfucking soap opera at a time. We're gonna change Afghanistan. And 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 and, and the most <laughs> ugly speech that you hear, most horrible jokes you hear, those are the ones that need the protection because yes, because who make decision? Who says what? You know. So, um, I met a lot of people. They're brave. I've i only visited them as a vacation twice, visiting my friends in Afghanistan. But they're uh, once again, you know, I want to finish by saying, American people get. Very little credit. It's just, you know, for every dumb show that the rest of the world watch, I, you, I meet these amazing people in Afghanistan yeah. and, and, and in Africa doing amazing things. That are being influenced by yeah. American culture. And they're they're getting, you don't go to Afghanistan to make money, believe me. Yeah, you know? no, I know. So, the, so they're doing amazing work. And um, I wish we get more of that seen in public media you know like we were, we were doing a lot of good things not, it's not all about drive-by shooting and it's not people running over with no. truck and knees the and, media yeah. is making us believe that it's a fucking war zone out there it's not that bad mathematically statistically you wh- should know because you're asian yes absolutely <laughs> let, let me take my uh uh <laughs> what's that what's the um damn it the calculating thing that uh you're, you're a abacus, abacus. Yeah. let me get my abacus and let me tell you sister um <laughs> No, but it's true. It's, uh, you can't argue with the number because uh, m- people are living longer. Uh, death by childbirth is lower. I mean, it's hard to argue. Uh, less famine. I mean, world is better. It's just when you see this in TV. You uh, think it's not. It's just world's horrible. It's it's horrible part is part of the world. Absolutely. But there's a lot of good that people, people don't see. So I, I, have, I have so many of my friends who are afraid to travel overseas. And please don't do that. I think a decent... Well, just American traveling overseas. There's, they're a great uh, representative of America, you know. Yeah, and it's it's important to get out there and travel and to yeah. live your life and to not be offended by what people say because at the end of the day, when it comes to especially people like you and I, comedians, like I said, we're kind of the um, vehicle between pain and healing, and you just got to be open to it, no matter yeah. what the subject matter is. And, and if it offends you, just Figure out why it offends you. Don't say that it offends you. And I don't mind they saying they don't they don't like me or my material. I have, I don't. Have I don't a mind it either. That. But I'll explain like where I'm going with it. Yeah, you know? and and at least give me the benefit of the doubt that I'm coming from a place where I'm trying to communicate. I'm not trying to um, ostracize or judge or th- put myself on a pedestal. Yeah. I, I I'm 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 trying to literally say, hey, this is what I experience. 
Some of it's shitty. Some of it's amazing. Yeah. Hopefully it can affect you in a way that makes your life a little bit better. Wouldn't you say that's the plight of a comedian? Yes. And, 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 and sometimes people get mad at controversial topic like pedophile jokes. And when, when the comedians do it, we're not saying we like. We're not condoning it. Condoning it. But we do it because we're trying to hammer in your idea that there's some people just uh, damaged and, and, and quite often bad. And they do stuff like that. And they don't. some people who are good natured don't want to believe it. Because how many times did Michael Jackson be accused by molesting kids? Like, even second time, there's still people want to take their kids. Like, I I think if you get a cat accused twice... You got you to look at the facts. I think I think if you get kissed once, that's enough. Like, you should really think twice before, you know. Right. You should protect your kid first. And it just boggles my mind. They're mad about the joke more than actually then the, the, putting the their truth. kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss Michael Jackson. You just made me miss Michael Jackson. Um, this has been amazing. Yoshi, I feel like you and I could talk for fucking hours. Well, thank, thanks um, thanks for uh, getting me on. I mean, Esther said just amazing things about you. And I'm glad. Um, I mean, by listening to what you were doing and the Orlando thing, I have... You know, Bert uh, Kreischer, I like that too. I love, I love Bert. I love Bert. Yeah. We had a fun time. And um, your dad <laughs> shitting. That thing was hilarious. Yeah, when he, a, the voicemail. Yeah, it's hilarious. He, <laughs> I like. I was on the phone with. He told. He, he, no, he told me to hold on. Yeah. My dad crapped with me on the phone. Do you people understand like what's happening in the world? My dad put me on hold so he could go take a shit. I think he's a great American. <laughs> I think. I think he's a someone you drink beer and laugh. And I think how um, sweet your mom was in the thing. Like, that's the kind of people thing when the people hear, because especially for people that didn't have a very good relation with their yeah. parents, it was very sweet. I mean, she was just being, no agenda, just saying how sad how, it was. Yeah, yeah, how she felt. Well, I feel very lucky to have sat down and talked with you because, and, you know, Marty has spoken highly of you. Esther oh, was great. raving about you. Um, I'm but, glad we made this connection because yeah. I, I, I want to be your friend. You're my friend now. <laughs> What, is it okay? Yes. Okay. And I, I hope we can hang out. And, like, I would love to see you around the scene and, like, come back to the podcast. And, oh, thank you. Yeah. And uh, can people, where can people find you? Um, I uh, Not in Japan. No, no. <laughs> I, I do have a po- podcast, but I'm, I, I'm Indian in about a month or so. Um, it's been doing it for three years. It's been fun. Uh, it's called Yoshi Didn't Podcast. <laughs> Yoshi Didn't. That's so good. And uh, Yoshi Obayashi is my Twitter. Um, and um, I'm... I'm Last uh, thing, I, I'm going to New York tomorrow, and I'm going to Boston for one of the day because um, I've been working, consulting my friend um, Brandon Daly about a documentary about HIV outbreak in porn business 20 years ago. Wow! And I worked in the, I worked in the business for a long time, but um, uh, I don't want to give too much away. But even for someone who worked there for a long time, in fact, two of my boss former bosses were HIV positive, and uh, it was mystifying. Uh, to me because we just assume it happened because of uh, all the things they were seeing at the time. But this documentary pretty much explored that might not be the case. And um, it's it's interesting when people become hush-hush about it, how they get it. and um, The taboo that's surrounding it. Yeah, so you have a documentary coming out about... Like, it's not mine, but I, I help uh, Brandon Daly as a podcast. He's a friend of mine. He's been working at it last three years. And uh, When is it going to come out? I think um, probably either late fall or... Um, uh, early next year, I, I'm 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 just gonna. He's, I think he's trying to make a Sundance, but I don't know when when that what part of the year that is. But does he have a title? Uh no, not even okay. that. So it's pretty early, but um, um, I'm I'm interested because ethic of um, medicine and you know it's amazing that as many sex that go around the valley, how little HIV outbreak. You know, you I, yeah. I, I would think more, but uh, you know, one is enough 
too much, but still, it's amazing. How, how... I can never get enough HIV outbreaks. <laughs> <laughs> but <what>? Wow. <laughs> You'll have to let me know so I can promote it on the podcast. Yeah, I'll let you know. And then second, I'm going to New York because I'm trying to raise money for Illegal Magazine. It's a magazine in... Um, Marijuana? So, no, it's oh, it's shit. in um, Copenhagen, Denmark, and London. It's a magazine written by an addict and former addicts. And addicts sell them in the street. And uh, each magazine they sell, they keep 40% use the money for drugs. Uh, so they don't have to commit cr- crime and prostitute themselves. And we also have a van picking up uh, addicts with a driver and a doctor or a driver or so this a nurse. So if you, if you buy this magazine, you're helping addicts. Yeah, and uh, they inject heroin in the back of the van. People don't realize that's an important thing because the withdrawals, what happens to these addicts, it's, yeah. it, that is a part of the process. And we were trying to start that magazine first place in the uh, USA, and uh, we're, I'm trying to raise money, but it's been kind of difficult. So. It's called Legal Magazine? Illegal Magazine. Illegal yeah. Magazine. Yeah. All right, and, well, uh, we've got to look out for that too. And, and everybody educate yourselves. Open your minds. We're right, here. Thank you very much. We're here. We're here for you, motherfuckers. <laughs> Yoshi, it was a delight. Thank you. Uh, I'm really appreci- I was a little nervous because that guy before was so good. So you were great. Thank you for. I can't having wait to me. go to Japan with you. You uh, should go. You should go. They uh, will like you. Believe me. No, they're not. They like. They like I'm gonna like go with the motherfucking bat. Women in Japan. I'm gonna go with the, like. Yeah, you love me, motherfuckers. I'm gonna bat everybody in the face. All right, Yoshi. Bye. Thanks. Arigato. <laughs> <laughs> Billow said you were one of the best ladies he ever saw with an edge weapon. Fuck you, bitch. I know he didn't qualify that shit. So you can just kiss my motherfucking ass, Black Mamba. Black Mamba. I should have been motherfucking Black Mamba. Weapon of choice? If you want to stick with your butcher knife, that's fine with me. Very funny, bitch. Very funny! not my intention to do this in front of you. For that, I'm sorry. You can take my word for it. Your mother had it coming. When you grow up, if you still feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.